4: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? Although I do have some special pals with me today, I do just want to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you. Put it in context so you can understand it. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Alright, how the heck did we get up here with the S&P 500 hitting all-time highs? <laughs> Dow hitting its high for the year after gaining 249 points today. S&P climbed 0.95%. <laughs> NASDAQ rose 0.80%. And more importantly, does this market have what it takes to keep powering higher, regardless of what happens with the president, with trade, with the Federal Reserve? Just looking at the fundamentals of individual companies, which is what we do best in Cray America, I think it's worth wondering what might happen if we stay on an even keel. We need to know if the market's gotten too expensive... Sell, 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 sell. Or if it's got more room to run. All aboard. Especially uh, with oil having a monster runoff just today because of tension with Iran. So let's zoom in on the top 10 performances in the Dow Jones Industrial Average for 2019. See, we've got this. This will help us put it in context so we understand how we got up here and whether it is dangerous, whether it's safe, and whether it makes sense. Number one is Microsoft. It's a trillion dollar household name with a stock that's up nearly 35% year to date. At these levels, now this stock trades at 26 times next year's earnings estimates. Sadly, That's lofty. It's a pretty rich valuation, which is unfortunate because we own Microsoft by Travel Trust and always have to be concerned that it's moved up too much. On the other hand, the company has a habit of blowing away these estimates. Microsoft wouldn't be my first choice of these top 10 to go higher here. I think it's quality company. It's just I think that the stock may have gotten a little ahead of itself. No sin. That does happen. Number two, Cisco. Up 32%. Now, this is a brand-new Cisco, people. The company has changed radically under the leadership of Chuck Robbins. The new Cisco is not just a networking company. It's also a play on the Internet of Things and on cybersecurity. Do you know it's the largest cybersecurity company in the world? Just buried within the housing that is Cisco. And it is doing fabulously. Best of all, even with everything it has going for it, do you know that this stock, it sells at 17 times earnings investment. It's at a discount. To the average stock in the S and P, and you know what I think it is? I think it is a steal. Bye bye bye. Third place, tougher for me because I love it, but it's rich as Visa, letter V. Now it's up nearly thirty-two percent this year. It's not cheap. Trades at twenty-eight times earnings. Honestly, I prefer American Express, even though it has some credit risk, or Mastercard, which is slightly more expensive but has a faster growth rate, and that's why we own that one for our travel trust. But that said, Visa, an erratic trader prone to vicious dips, I think would absolutely be worth buying into one of those dips. Keep an eye on letter V. It trades wildly, and when it trades down, believe me, there's going to be nothing wrong with Visa. It is that well run. Thank you, Al Kelly, for doing so much for shareholders. Number four is American Express. It's up 31% for the year. This one's a keeper. American Express is exactly the kind of financial tech. You want to share that FinTech stuff? Financial technology stock that money managers can't get enough of, and it sells for less than 14 times next year's earnings? Terrific franchise. I got it in my pocket. I don't know about you. Fed about the cut rates. This is among the most desirable stocks in the Dow right now. And I've got to tell you, convincingly. All aboard. Bye 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 bye
3: bye. The house of pain.
4: No. House of oh. pleasure. All right, number five. This is a tough one for me. And Bob Iger, close your ears because you're not going to like what I say. Number five is Disney. And I like Disney so much, it is up more than 29% for the year. But when CEO Bob Iger laid out his plan for Disney+, Plus, the new streaming service, he gave you a growth roadmap that takes us to 2024. Since then, the stock has been on fire. We're bulls who stuck around like us when Disney was stalled out in the low 100s for ages. But at this point, though, you're late to the party, and I think it's a mistake to chase. This stock can come down to the 130s level from the low 140s, and then we get in the mid-130s because of a big sell-off off of China? That's when you pull the trigger. Sixth performer. Oh, boy. I know you don't want to hear about this. It's too boring. Stop yawning. It's the nameless, faceless, incredibly well-run Travelers, the big insurers' company. Stock has rallied 27% for 2019. I pay Travelers. I pay them every month. I hope I never have to use them. Travelers is an excellent underwriter that's getting a real boost here because insurance companies tend to benefit from lower interest rates. I like the company for its sure-footedness, not to mention its cheap valuation. This one sells for less than 13 times earnings. What do we hear of its market so expensive? I don't want to hear about the market. I want to hear things like Travelers. I'm not enamored of the financials. But Travelers is a good company, and it sure wouldn't hurt to buy that stock right here, right now. Oh, boy, number seven is hard. Maybe the hardest of the whole ten. Apple. Uh, this is a quandary. It's up 26% for the year. Remember, at the beginning of the year, to actually pre-announced bad numbers. Today, Deutsche Bank, good firm, okay, rolled out coverage on Apple with a hold rating. They're worried about a potential iPhone shortfall, and I can understand why. Apple's in the hot seat when it comes to the trade war. The company's a gigantic employer in both U.S. and China. It sells tons of product in both countries. Before Trump, Apple represented everything that was good about world trade. You got a great company with great products. It's working with everybody and making the money all over the globe. It was the quintessential worldwide company. With the trade war though, Apple could theoretically be targeted by both countries. China could boycott Apple in response to the Huawei blacklisting. Trump could include cell phones when he rolls out the next round of tariffs of Chinese merchandise, and I do believe there will be a next round. So why do I keep telling you to own Apple? Why do I keep saying that? Why do I say own it, not trade it? Because this company is developing a fantastic razor razor blade business model, where they sell you the phone and then make money for years afterward by charging you for subscription services. Plus, we're seeing real strength in the wearables business, especially in the watch, which has all sorts of health applications, by the way. You want to try it. I love it. Um, this is becoming a very large business within Apple's Mosaic that they're getting no credit for whatsoever. Best of all, Apple trades at in 16 times next year's earnings. So it's not like you're paying through the nose after it's Monster Run. It's being valued as if they are going to miss the numbers. Number eight. I call it the despot. Home Depot, up 23%. Oh, I like this one. Like Walmart, like Costco, like Target, Home Depot's winning here because it has enough scale, Wall Street speak, for its real big to jawbone down prices. At 19 times next year's earnings, I don't think you're paying too much for what is one of the best big box retailers on earth. That said, the weather's been pretty bad for gardening season. Don't I know I'm a gardener almost every weekend? It rains! So maybe you have to wait for a pullback before you pull the trigger because it's been one of the leaders in the delve late. Oh, nine's a little controversial. Kind of A lot of people, I'm sure, are thinking oh, why bother? Well, that would be wrong. IBM up 22% for the year. Here's a company that's, uh, with good dividend, by the way, good balance sheet, that's on the verge of a grand transformation. IBM is acquiring Red Hat, one of our favorite cloud-based software places. It was actually one of our cloud kings, with the deal closing sometime next year, near the year, uh, at the end of the year. In the meantime, IBM is paying it away, 4.7% yield. I would be a buyer of IBM. Finally, the Dow's 10th best performer is pretty it's stunning. It's Procter & Gamble of 20% year-to-date. Or at least Procter was the best performer until it was overtaken by United Technologies right at the end of the afternoon. UTEC's complicated story, breakup, merger. I like it, but Procter's simple. The consumer packaged goods company gave us terrific earnings and beat, and I bet it will be first of many to come of accelerated growth rate, good dividend too. On the one hand, I worry that we're late to the party. On the other hand, we got a two point seven percent yield benchmark ten year Treasury today, unbelievably low two percent. CEO David Taylor doing a superb job. There you have it. it, the large cap companies that are most responsible for the terrific run in the Dow. And looking at them as a group, I remain fairly bullish. That said, I think people have gotten too optimistic about the prospects of a trade deal. Which is why I recommend waiting for that dip, which we're going to get before you build a position in some of them. Bottom line, there's still a lot to like here, but I'm right, I'm right that I think these trade talks could break down. You'll want to keep some powder dry so you can buy into weakness and get some real bargains. Let's take questions. Let's, uh, let's start here to our left. Thank you.
0: Hi, thanks, Jim. My name is Amanda and I'm from Connecticut. My question
5: is on Ulta Beauty. Alta's stock price has increased 42% from a year ago, but there is risk that the company won't be able to maintain its pace of growth. Q1 same-store sales declined year-over-year, year. and there is the risk of new entrants. Do you think Alta's valuation
4: will take a hit? Well, remember, I meant at first. Thank you for that question. The rate of growth. The rate of growth de- declined from previous, but it didn't actually decline. It's just it's the rate of rate of, as we call it. It's the second derivatives like calculus. Uh, I think Mary Dillon's doing a fantastic job. I think that she has a very long runway. I'm very close to Estee Lauder. They swear these, about these guys. Mary is amazing. I say Ulta is good. I don't want anybody to sell it. And I think that that is an incredible. By the way, they have the best loyalty program of any company on Earth. I like Ulta. Thank you very much, Amanda. Yes, sir
0: yeah,
2: Jim. yeah. My name is Todd. I teach a bunch of great middle school students in Ludlow, Massachusetts. Fantastic. Uh, they're always looking for ways to make money. GameStop used to be that way. But with streaming gaming coming online now, um, what are your thoughts on GameStop? <laughs> And what suggestions do you have for them to make some money? I
4: like Take-Two Interactive. You know what? I think that Grand Theft Auto is very good. I don't encourage it for my kids, but I, I recognize a great franchise when I see one. Probably the best entertainment franchise in history. I think that uh, Red Dead Redemption is very good. But I think that Strauss-Zelnick understands this. And you also get eSports. Uh, and you, you get. I know that it's down. It's, people don't like it as much because of Fortnite. But that would be the one if you a gaming. GameStop, no. Bad balance sheet. I mean, you go to the mall. You're the only one. Don't want to do that. Good for the the, the uh, young, young, young minds in Ludlow. Fantastic work. Thank nice, you. Jim. Yes, sir. Jim, big booyah from Scotch Plains, New Jersey. There you go. Calls the summit. Yep. All right. Uh, Tesla caught a downgrade today. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of a re of it. The guy just slagged a little more over the Model 3, but I hear. My question was around uh, Elon Musk decided to cancel his Twitter account. Yikes been kind of a
0: momentum play, as you know. So I'm wondering, without Elon at the at the Twitter handle, what are the implications for a momentum stock?
4: Well, it's a great question, and I've got to tell you that I'm glad that he's focused on making cars again and not just tweeting. You ever see his tweets? I mean, tell you, three, look, I get up at three. Obviously, he's going to bed at three. And he'd be, like, responding to my tweet. I'd be, like, saying, well, I don't know if I like this one. I have to say it's a cold stock. I want you to stay away from it. Uh, look, people who love Tesla, the car, might want to own the stock. I believe the homework says the balance sheet's not good enough. And that was the genesis of that negative piece today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. All right, if the trade talks with China break down, I need you to be ready to buy into weakness. You're going to get some real bargains that I just outlined for your mail money tonight. Don't get too close to the stove. These stocks might be too hot to handle. I'll reveal the names just ahead. Then, could Caterpillar dig its way out of a trade war? Is there more to it than there used to be? I'm letting the cat out of the bag with the CEO. And it's a company that's up a whopping 100% this year alone. But can the move continue? I'm going to talk to the CEO of MongoDB and stick with Kramer.
1: Visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
4: We called them the red hots back in the old days. There were a group of stocks that seemed to go up almost every morning in 1999 and the first two months of 2000. There were so many of them, mostly newly minted companies, that we had to have a draft of my old hedge fund where we put a list of red hots in a hat. And then whoever pulled them out had to give me a sales pitch within the next couple of days. It's all in this book, Real Money. It was a lot of fun. Well, normally, I preferred to give people more time to do the homework. But back then, there was simply too much performance to be gained in such a short period of time that we had to work on the fly. Once I heard the best pitches, we'd buy them with reckless abandon, especially the hottest of the hot, the telecom and internet stocks. Did I believe they were great companies? Not at all. Did I like them as long-term investments? Don't be silly. I had a very cynical approach back then. Remember, I was a hedge fund manager. I was a trader. I knew we were in a ridiculous moment where irrationally exuberant buyers would pay absurd pr- prices because they simply didn't care about the froth. I told myself over and over again that this period would come to an end that someday the money would be made, the Red Hots would cool off, and in some cases their stocks would come plummeting back to Earth. I knew we needed to ring the register before that happened. And that's exactly what I did right before the Nasdaq peaked in March of 2000. I bring this up because now there's a new generation of Red Hots. We've got to admit this. We've got to own this fact. They're the ones on your screen that keep going up exhaustively without, uh, without a thought. They don't even wait for the opening bell. It's like they totally escaped from the gravitational pull of the market. They are better than the old Red Hots for certain. Many are profitable. But they are often too hot, none the same. And I don't want anyone to get burned, even with the good ones. Oh, what am I talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the recent IPOs. Beyond me. It's faux burger company. Revolve. Online fashion play. CrowdStrike, cloud based cybersecurity. He's got all the buzzwords. Zoom video for real time uh, cloud conferencing. I like the product. Now Slack today, which exploded higher after it came public. And those are just the newly issued ones. Hey, you also got the Zscaler. Yes, you've got an Okta. A pair of cybersecurity companies. Twilio, which helps apps develop and send you text messages. And Shopify, the e commerce engine for small business. Oh, let's throw in HubSpot, Atlassian, Koopa Software, and you have the whole panoply of parabolic moves. Remember parabolas from Geometry Class? Stocks that were higher in parabolic mode tend to be incredible performers until they're not. Then they hit a wall, and then they become terrible. You don't know when the rollover will happen. You don't know how high they'll go before they fall apart. But sooner or later, somebody is going to get hurt, and I don't want it to be you. That doesn't mean you can't try to make money in them in the meantime, like I did during the dot-com bubble. But you have to be very, very careful. When you think about it, these red-hot stocks are going up for the dumbest and most circular possible reason. People are buying them because they're going higher. That's it. For the most part, these moves are not about new information. They're about the greater fool theory. Someone else will pay more for my Beyond Meat than I will, and then I'll be fine. And by the way, Beyond Meat's a great company. For the moment, though, for the moment, these stocks are working. And these are much better companies than the new models were back in 1999. And that's what makes it so darn difficult. Yep, the second coming of the Red Hots is indeed here. And for now, the playbook says you can afford to be greedy. Greedy. But only for so long. Make sure you know what you're buying, people. Make sure you know what you own and make sure you can explain it to somebody else and then you'll be able to handle the turbulence and ring the register when it's appropriate. Stick with cream.
3: People today can
0: spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Cannonball!
3: Even dividend champions face industrial-sized risk. With earnings on the rise, is this company still navigating rough terrain? Or is Caterpillar a keystone in constructing your portfolio?
4: On a day where the S&P 500 roared to a new all-time high, can we talk about one of my favorite companies on Earth? Can we talk about Caterpillar? Last year, Cat was written off wrongly, I might add, as a company with too much China exposure to withstand the trade war. Never mind that they only get 5 to 10% of their sales from the People's Republic. Management just raised the dividend by 20% just last month, bringing the yield up to 3.1%. Never mind that they raised their full-year earnings forecast back in April. CAT stock couldn't catch a break. That is until the past few weeks. Lately, this thing has been flying in In anticipation of a rate cut, maybe a possible trade deal with China. And you know what? I think it's worth owning even without a deal, because this is not your father's CAT. Caterpillar. But don't take it from me. We have a special treat tonight. Let's check in with Jim as the chairman and CEO of Caterpillar, to get a better sense of how this very misunderstood company is doing and where it is headed. Mr. Applebee, welcome to make money. Good to see you, Jim. Have a seat. Jim. Thank you. Thank you. For most of my life, I always heard Caterpillar was boom bust. You've come in. I now think of Caterpillar. As a profitable growth for all company, not chasing growth, not concentrating just on profits, but a sustainable way to increase shareholder value. You've changed this, Caterpillar, and I think people need to know that the perception
2: is way, way too far behind what you're doing. Well, thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. You know, in 2017, we introduced a new strategy for profitable growth. And we're a much stronger company today, higher operating margins, stronger free cash flow, and the ability to perform at a higher level throughout the cycle.
4: Well, what I think is really important here is, is that a lot of people are focused on world trade when, uh, when, Mnuch- when Secretary Mnuchin says something negative or when we see someone come on and we're worried about China, people sell Caterpillar. I say they should buy it, Jim, because I look at a mosaic that has more to do with services, more to do with long-term growth, more to do with machine learning, with autonomous driving, than I think has to do with orders from China. Am I too rosy?
2: Well, Jim, we agree. We've navigated trade tensions in our 94-year history. This is not new for us. But again, we're really operating the company in a different way. We uh, introduced, again, that new enterprise strategy, right. and, and we set some targets out for ourselves in our 2017 Investor Day about improving operating margins and pleased to say that the Caterpillar team achieved or exceeded those margins last year. Just to put it in perspective, right. in 2014, we were $55 billion in sales, and again in 2018, we were back to $55 billion in sales. The Caterpillar team improved operating margin from 11% in 2014 to 16% in 2018 in just four years. Last year, we achieved record earnings per share at that $55 billion sales level that was 17% below what we had in 2012 at $66 billion. So again, I couldn't be more proud of the Caterpillar team and this 100,000 men and women around the world dedicated to their customer success.
4: Well, what I like about it, you're also... <laughs> You used to try to be in everything, all things for everybody. Now it seems like you're in to what is profitable so that you won't necessarily try to do things that don't make money. And, And one of the reasons why I think you're like that is you seem to be more committed to shareholders than any single person from Caterpillar I've ever met.
2: Well, thank you, Jim. You know, as you mentioned earlier, we did raise our dividend by 20%. That'll be effective in the third quarter. We also announced our intention to raise the dividend by at least high single digits for the next four years we're also going to be more consistent in share repurchases. And we've said that we will return essentially all free cash flow to shareholders through a combination of dividends and share repurchases. And again, still have a very healthy balance sheet, for any inorganic opportunities that come our way.
4: I I think one of the things that I I was so afraid that what you were going to do was that you were going to cut R&D. You did the opposite because clearly you were talking about long-term sustainability, not just offering a better product now, but a future future product of Caterpillar that we never thought could happen.
2: Yeah, that is very important. We've invested about $3.5 billion in the last two years in R&D. We take a long-term view. We know there will be cycles. We know there'll be trade tensions. But again, we're in this for the long haul. And with our new strategy, we've gotten much more granular in understanding by product, by market, by application, where we're creating shareholder value and where we're not. And we're allocating our resources to those areas that do represent the best best areas for future profitable growth in the medium and long term. I've always felt that you have a Caterpillar machine.
4: It should bring all these other services with it, but no one ever talked about it. I've had Caterpillar people go out to dinner with them. They never talked about the 2 million active assets in the field and what that means in the service revenue that comes from that, which, which trumps
2: by far anything that might happen with the China trades. It is a major element of our new strategy. One of the things we did at our recent Investor Day in May as we announced our intent to double our services revenue from 14 billion, which is what we had in 2016 mm-hmm. before we launched our new strategy, to, to uh, 2018, double it in 10 years. And one of the things we've been doing is investing quite heavily in our digital capabilities. Right. We now have 850,000 connected machines and engines around the world, which is 70% more than we had when we started our strategy in the beginning of 2017. We're going for a million connected assets by the end of the year and services is the way that we everything that we do with a customer after we sell a new piece of equipment and we're working closely with our dealers to find more ways to add customer value through services one of the ways you like i mean look I, i'm not chilling
4: for cat i i have been a critic of cat everyone knows that i used to feel like are they going to cut the dividend they're backing away from the buyback. Now they're in the buyback. Now they're talking about the high water mark. Then the loan—you you made it tough. You don't make it tough because you're not thinking about 2019. And one of the things I, you're thinking about the 10-year picture. One of the things I know that you're why well, you're not doing that is, I always think, okay, who's doing auto, autonomous driving? And everyone's always talking about it. well, maybe Domino's or maybe
2: Waymo or
4: the only autonomous driving that's actually in play right now is Caterpillar.
2: Yeah, it's a very exciting story. Again, it's back to that long-term R&D. So my, my predecessors invested heavily in this. We're continuing to... Most people don't realize that Caterpillar has the largest autonomous fleet. It's mining trucks, twice as many actual miles driven autonomously than any car manufacturer. So we have seven different customers, 11 different sites around the world hundreds of mining trucks, and other equipment as well, in true autonomous operations.
4: Now, but it does not mean, there's been other times where I've seen Apple spend, I mean, Caterpillar spend, like it had Apple, like it had a balance sheet that it could spend $100 billion. You don't do that anymore. You don't do crazy CapEx. You
2: know that there were times when you're putting up plants, then you're shutting down plants. That's done too. Well, we're laser focused on ensuring that we get a return on our investments. We know we'll have cycles, and we are committed to have a flexible and and competitive cost structure. And we're going to deal with whatever the market brings to us. Again, whether it's issues, challenges created through trade tensions, economic cycles, we're committed to perform at a higher level.
4: Okay, so the president says it's going to be an additional 300000000000 billion. They're going
2: to put 25% on. Are people going to sell your stock? Does that make is that, is that, well, that makes sense? It really doesn't. I mean, in terms of we've publicly stated that we expect uh, tariffs to be between 250 and $350 million this year. We're very comfortable still meeting our forecast, dealing with those, those challenges. So, again, it's part of what we do. We've seen this before. We've been through it. We'll manage our way through it, this Is oil chart. being up 5% more important than, than China? Actually, oil and gas business is very important. Talk so to me about that. Yeah. It's really well, huge. Well, you know, I watch your show, and I know that you've had a lot of, uh, a lot of CEOs talk about the Permian and what's right. going on in oil and gas. A lot of people don't realize that Caterpillar plays across a wide portion of that oil and gas value chain. Of course, our machines are used to prepare the sites and to lay the pipelines, right. but our reciprocating engines are used for drilling, for oil and gas drilling. When it comes to well servicing, we think the best well servicing trailer has a Caterpillar engine, a Caterpillar transmission, and a Black Horse pump that we manufacture through our joint venture with Aerial Corporation. 2016, we bought a company called Kemper, which right. which manufactures the flow iron around the trailer. Our reciprocating engines are used to drive reciprocating compressors, for gas gathering near the wellhead, then our larger solar gas turbines driving solar, centrifugal, natural gas compressors compress gas along those big inter, big interstate pipelines. So, again, we're a big part of that Permian story, and we're very proud to be.
4: Well, so if guy. Mike Worth, Mike whom you know, is yep. the fabulous CEO of Chevron, says that it could be 10,000 wells dr- dr- drilled right now in the Permian, the better way to play that is to play Caterpillar.
2: Well, again, uh, Chevron, yeah, Chevron, Chevron is a great company. Of course, yeah. as you know, I'm on the board. Yeah. But, you know, we are very committed to be part of that success, and Very excited about it as well.
4: So, how do you get uh, the Wall Wall Street to understand? Because at your fabulous analyst day, I would urge everyone who's going to buy even one share. It is so clear where the company is, and explains the services. They seem so. uh, How do you get them off the fixation of what's going to be the next thing that happens
2: from uh, Xi and from China? What I tell our team is just meet our commitments. We have a clearly defined strategy take care of our customers, meet our commitments, and everything will take care of itself. You stop and think about services and the value that brings to customers, it does things like increase machine availability, minimize downtime, helps our customers manage owning and operating costs, and what's really important is asset utilization. You stop and think about our industry, typically, asset utilization is very low. If we can increase that just a bit, very positive for our customers and for CAD as well. How did
4: you cut out 29% of
2: manufacturing space and still make more money? Lean manufacturing. So we've been applying lean principles in our factory. It's a never-ending journey. It's going to go on forever. But again, we're very focused on understanding there will be cycles and we do our very best to get as much as we can out of a fixed amount of brick and mortar. I'd rather invest that money in new services than bricks and mortar and factories.
4: Okay, well then tell me about the cycles because Draghi just said that Europe is weak. We know Latin America can be, be weak. China seems a little bit weaker. It is unbelievable to me that you're making this amount of money. There would be another time when I would expect a caterpillar to lose money right now. What is the world, What's in the world is happening that's
2: good so that we can see what could happen in the future? You well, know, just going around the world, I mean, certainly in North America, it's still strong for us. A lot of that's being driven by construction. There's local and state governments investing in infrastructure, even though we don't have a national infrastructure bill. People always ask about China, as you mentioned, right. again, 5 to 10% of our sales. China's still strong for us. Most of the Chinese market for us is hydraulic excavators, 10-10 and right. above, and that business continues to be strong. We saw a big increase there in 2017, 2018, and it's continuing into 2019 People don't know so them. far. Europe's about flat. Latin America is starting to improve from a very low base. But for us, it really makes more sense to look at it from an industry view, because we sell to customers that produce commodities that go into the the global commodities market as opposed to just a local economy. So think about mining for a minute. As you know, we had some very tough years in mining. Mining started to improve in 2017, improved more in 2018. First quarter 2019, our resource industry segment had had a, had a, a very good quarter. It's slowly improving, but we are still well, well below what we, we would consider normal mining activity. And honestly, a kind of a, a slow, steady ramp-up for me is better for everybody than some of the right. volatility we've seen over the last few years. Right.
4: Last question. Uh, what's it like to be the steward of really one of the, a great American icon?
2: Uh, it's a great honor. It's a great responsibility. You know, I have some sleepless nights thinking about the legacy. Uh, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of our predecessors. Right. 100,000 employees around the world, all of our dealer, great dealers, which give a tremendous competitive advantage, our dealer employees. It's just a great honor.
4: Well, now people at home, people here to understand why I think the Caterpillar is just one unbelievable bargain, long-term investment right here, right now. That's Jim Umpleby. He's chairman and CEO of Caterpillar. Man Money's back after the break. Some stocks just don't know when to quit. Look at MongoDB. That's MDB for you, home gamers. It's a cloud-based software company in the database management business. The thing has been a juggernaut. The stock is up 228%. That's right, 228% since we last spoke to the CEO less than a year ago. It's more than doubled for 2019. And while I don't like to chase stocks, you know that, that, that because some things are too hot. MongoDB held an annual user conference earlier this week where they rolled out a bunch of new data management and analytics services, and I like what I heard. Could this spectacular winner have even more upside? Let's dig deeper with Dev Idicharia. He's the president CEO of MongoDB to learn more about his company's prospects. Dev, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Good to see thank you, sir. You. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. All right. My first question, obviously, it's been an amazing investment for people. And what I, you know, I, I, what I like people to know, I want them to know what you're levered to, what you're doing, a little context, because people might just say, I don't know what that Mongo is, but I like it. I want them to know what that Mongo is.
5: Sure. So if you think about what, uh, software applications, every application has a database uh, where you store, process, and analyze information. What we are is a modern database, and the database has been around for 40, 50 years. What we are is a database designed for today's modern world, and that's why developers who are our primary users use our database to build these amazing applications, applications on your mobile device, applications at home, and also applications at work.
4: Now, this week, uh, there was a lot of talk about, uh, about your new product, about Atlas, and it seems like that you've gone from being a database to what I love, I'm always looking for, platform. Because the platform means you can be much bigger. So, whatever the total addressable market was, it's just database, is now how much bigger than your platform?
5: So, one of the things that customers really love about MongoDB is that we really make it very easy to work with data. Developers find the biggest challenge with building applications is managing data, the flow, the synchronization, right. the management. And we just make it very simple. And with, with, with MongoDB, you can now, what customers said to us is you can now use our technology in other places, and they and they basically came to us and said, we have data sitting everywhere. So we're using our same approach to manage data online to manage data offline, and that's okay. what we announced today with our Data Lake product.
4: Okay, so uh, last time I'm on the Oracle conference call, and Oracle's da- when I think of database, I think of Oracle. And they're talking about winning business left and right and taking business from different companies, but they didn't talk about taking any business from you. Yeah. You're offering a more competitive product, a, a, comp- a product that is cheaper and better, faster. What is it that you have the edge on?
5: So we have a lot of respect for Oracle. Uh, they've been around for 40-plus years. They've stayed relevant, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that is amazing. But, but candidly, um, the technology is, is 40 years old. That's pre-cloud, pre-mobile, and even pre-internet. And so what we have is a much more modern data platform. And that's why people are gravitating to MongoDB to build modern applications. And when it comes to numbers, um, based on what I saw, Oracle announced 1% revenue growth. MongoDB announced almost 80% revenue growth. So the tra- trajectories of the two companies are very different.
4: All right, so uh, let me put this to you. Oracle's got billions. bought back billions of dollars of stock. They've got a great war chest. Why does all that money not matter versus MongoDB? Because the architecture
5: of the products matters, right? And we've built a fundamentally different architecture that's designed for today's modern world. They built an architecture designed in the, in the late 70s for the world then, and they've just tried to make it better over time. We built an architecture designed for today's high-performance mobile cloud computing world.
4: Okay, in a high-performance mobile cloud computing world, I started thinking about Cisco. And I checked in with Chuck Robbins, the unbelievably good CEO yes. of Cisco. And I said, what do you think about MongoDB? He says, they are fabulous. What do you do for Cisco that he's so, he's so happy and proud to be using it?
5: So Cisco actually had an issue where they had an order management application where they were collecting orders when they closed the quarter, about, and they do about $50 billion a year, they were collecting orders from all these different uh, sales channels into this one application. And the problem with that application is that the data model was getting so complex because Cisco's business was so large, and they said, well, it just doesn't scale, and if it goes down, I can't close my books, which would give the CFO a nightmare. So they basically. Kelly Kramer, <laughs> you get
4: very angry. <laughs> yes.
5: And so they basically replatformed off-relational to MongoDB, and since then, they've never had an outage, even though they've had system and network failures, because MongoDB, by definition, is a distributed database that's designed for high-performance, fault-tolerance environments.
4: Well, it's for you to get that business, that is a great, great worldwide company, so you're doing right. But I've got another great worldwide company that I'm interested in knowing about, the one I work for. What do you do for us? Um, you know, we have over
5: 14,000 customers, so I don't have all the use cases memorized. <laughs> right. But one thing I will say is that our customers end up being some of the most sophisticated and demanding customers in the world. Big media companies... Right. Telecom companies. They all seem to use you. Yes. Gaming uh, and media likes you. Gaming, media, financial services. We have almost every bank on Wall Street um, um, using us in some way, shape, or form. Um, Tech companies themselves. And then we have companies like startups who are basically building their entire business on MongoDB. So we feel very good about our value proposition given the wide variety of customers the wide variety of use cases and also the wide variety of geographies. We have customers
4: literally all over the world. What do I tell people who say, oh, thanks a lot, Jim, I wish I bought, I bought that stock last time, when I say, I think it's early, but I need some ammo to prove that it's early for our viewers? Well, when you think about the major secular trends
5: going on, one, every company is becoming a software company. More software means more data means more databases. Right. Second, Developers who are the primary builders of that software have enormous power and influence today in terms of how technology decisions are made. And so developers love MongoDB. We are the most popular modern database in the world. Third, you have the biggest platform shift going on right now from the move from on-prem to the cloud. We are designed for the cloud. So even Amazon, Google, and Microsoft came to us and told us we are one of the most popular technologies on their cloud platform. So given those secular trends, We're quite bullish about the opportunity in front of us. I
4: want people to understand that that does not happen, okay? Those three do not all endorse one. Uh, because it's just usually, it's highly unusual that somebody's that good that all of those competitive companies like them. Okay, that's Dev Itty Cherry. And and, and i got to tell you, guys, when you uh, when you buy something like what, De- what Dev Cherry Cherry is doing, Itty Cherry is doing, you have to own it, okay? But you have to know what it does because it's going to go down. Dev, your stock has been wild some days. I don't want people to sell it when it happens. I want you to buy it. Mr. Itty Cherry, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Tim. Good to see you. Stay with me. It is time! It's over the lightning round. let round! wrap one another. Save us from silver. Bye bye bye. Some to me. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skeet? It's over the lightning round. Claimers, there's money. Go!
3: Hi, Jim. Eric Ram from Monville, New Jersey. Right. The uh, steel stocks have been
4: melting down. <sighs> what do you think all about ArcelorMittal? No, 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 no. Pricing pressure everywhere. If you have to own one of these, you own Nucor, but I don't think you have to own one, but thank you very much. Yes.
3: Hello, Jim.
0: Boris Shulam uh, from Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Okay. I'm wondering how it is military stocks. And special military stocks. Yes.
4: And especially TGG? TGG? Um, TGG. TBG. Oh, oh, TGG. I like that. I think that's one of the better ones, but I'm going to have to tell you, Lockheed Martin's got the best, is, has the best product portfolio right now. That's the one you have to win. And the stock was up today. Very, very big. Lockheed Martin, LMT. Yes. Hi, Jim. I'm Debbie. And I was wondering about PPL, what's going on with Brexit? PPL, you'll be f- absolutely fine in that. Not a problem with that. Uh, I, I've got to tell you, I don't want you on it, though. I don't want you on it. Uh... You'll be fine with a That's great. AP. AP. Okay? AP is the one you want. Alright? Yes. Hi Jim. The name is Grace from New Jersey. Okay.
5: The stock is McKesson, oh. Ticker MCK. Uh oh, McKesson.
4: No, I think McKesson is gonna they have had they are in such a difficult spot right now, as is everyone in that particular, you know, PBM and reimbursement. I, I'm in a house of pain with CVS. Oh, I, I don't I you want you to join me with McKesson, and you will. Stay away. Don't buy. Don't yes. buy. Yes. Hi, Jim. Barry from Westchester. B&G Foods. No, Barry, dividend. you know what? It's been... You, you know, Barry, they just had, what, how many 6 bed quarters? It, it, they are so in the penalty box. We can't own them. Ever since that new magic came in, it's just been pain, pain, pain. I'm going to say no to that. Yes.
2: Thank you. Hey, Jim. It's Pete from Huntington, New York. What well, can you tell me about Amarin Corporation, AMRN?
4: You know, it's not... It's. I think... Look, it's a decent spec. Thanks. You know... I keep thinking that it's going to, you know, the other day when we saw the bid for Ray, I thought of Ameren. And I say, look, I'm going to let you own that first spec. It's obviously not Bristol-Myers, which, by the way, I like right here at 47. Yes. Jim, Jamie, Long Island, New York. My question is HPQ. For today and for five years from now. Okay, I happen to love the management there. I think they are fantastic. That last quarter was good. It didn't seem to matter to people. I thought this stock should have gone 20 to 22 Dion is the real deal. I'll buy that stock. Yes. Nick, New York. Okay. I'm looking at uh, CGNA. An interesting ones here. CGNA? Oh, Xenia? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Z-G-N-A Z-G Which one? Zynga Zynga, no, it's too early to buy Zynga As I always say to David Faber um, You know, in that gaming business It's really hard right now We're going to stay away from Z- from Zynga Z- From Zynga, yes
2: Good evening, uh, Mr. Kramer It's a
5: pleasure to have this moment uh, Thank The you. stock I'm asking is American Mobile I've had it for over 35 years I'm not asking for a buy or sell, but what do you think the future will be?
4: Just okay, just okay. You know, I think you've owned it for a long time. Uh, I made some good money for a long time, but not now, and I'm gonna say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, don't want it, yes.
3: Hi Jim, Dave from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Any thoughts or comments about uh, the medical giant Johnson & Johnson.
4: I love J&J right here. The One forty-two breakout, I think. I'm not really worried about the uh, either the talc or the opioid suits. I think Alex Scorsese amazing. You want to own that stock. I think it breaks out right here. It's been doing very well despite the lawsuits. Yes. Hi, Jim. George from Putt Valley.
5: Uh, Mercado Libre. It's been on it. It's on
4: fire. It's fantastic. But I can tell you, it's like if eBay were nearly as good as those guys, it would be, eBay would be double. I want you to hold on to that. I know it's red hot, but it's also real good. Yes.
3: Right, my name is Z Wang. Um, from Newport, New Jersey, um, particularly Ph.C., uh, and Lomb.
4: I like it. It had a really nice smooth taste. So we got to be careful. But I think that Joe Papa's doing a fantastic job. He's got a lot in the pipe. I think he's done a really good job with it, with uh, that, at, that whole gastric portfolio. I want you to own that stock. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
4: This market is hot. And when it gets hot, I want to make sure you do not get burned. We saw the S&P 500 in an all-time high today, but we're also starting to see signs of froth. That's why I'm always urging you to stay disciplined and stay diversified no matter what. Diversification is one of the best strategies for protecting your profits. So tonight, we're doing a special live audience edition of Am I Diversified? This week, give me your top five holdings, and I'll tell you whether your portfolio needs to make some changes or if it's in good shape. And let's start over here. Man, how can I help?
5: Hi, Teresa from New York. I'm asking if I'm diversified. I have Microsoft, Google. I have Viacom, Canopy, and Twilio.
4: All right, let's take a look at this. Okay, so Microsoft and Alphabet, no, we can't. Both tech companies both trade very much together. We're going to keep Microsoft as an even keel. I don't like what's happening in Alphabet right now uh, when it comes to what's going on with YouTube, where it seems completely crazed. Um, Viacom is very, very good. My own for my travel trust is too cheap. I think when they merge with CBS, it's going to be great. That's entertainment. Can it be growth? What do we call it? Recreation? We call it, ah, you know, amusement. And Twilio, another technology stock, but does not trade with these two. It's the background Background of, say, Lyft. When you dial a Lyft, what you're really doing is you're plugging into Twilio's platform. So I'm gonna call this a uh, software company, I'm gonna call this a platform, I'll say this is entertainment. Uh, I mean I'll say that let's call it geez, I, what do you call what do you call cannabis? We'll call it cannabis! Entertainment, and then we're gonna get rid of that one. We're going on healthcare company goodbye, United Health. That'll be good. That'll be a good move. Yes, sir.
1: Lou Go ahead, sir. Lou Tenza from
2: Eastern Pennsylvania. All right, Microsoft. Cisco, Ford, Exxon, and Carazo Oil.
4: All right, terrific. Chris Chip Johnson, smart guy. Okay, all right, here we go. So we've got good oil company, just did financing so he's okay with the balance sheet. Exxon, largest oil company. Uh-oh, we're going to have to get rid of Crizo if we own Exxon. We don't want to own both of those. Where's our health care? We don't have a health care. We're, go we're going to go with Merck. I love what I heard Frazier say today when he was made the Fabulous Make interview, interviewed him. Uh, Microsoft, we know that that's terrific software company. Ford is making a comeback, but autos are weak. That's all right. We'll take the dividend. I think it's safe. And then Cisco. Cisco and Microsoft, same business. We're going to have to make some changes there, too. We're going to Oh, what the hell? We can't just sell Cisco right here. We'll make an exception. And I like this. And thank you very much. Stick with Kramer. All right, I wrote this book 14 years ago during a similar period where we had a lot of stocks that were just red, red hot. And what happened is one day they all cooled and so many people lost money. The companies that are red hot now are much better companies, but their stocks are so hot that you better know what you own or i think at this point you really will get hurt so we got to get a little more conservative about the newly minted stocks because they're starting to trade way too hot for me i like to say there's always a bull market somewhere i promise you i'll find it just for you right here on my money i'm jim kramer and i will see
0: you tomorrow